You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Season 2, new intro, let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down, down. Ooh, I love that intro. I love that intro. Shout out to Lockershaw DMV rapper. He's gonna blow up soon, man, for providing that intro and Dream Out Loud team, the one that gave me the cosign, said you can go ahead and play that. So yeah, I'm excited. We got a new vibe, a new energy. And it's season two, y'all. Like season one, like I said, I always will thank y'all at the beginning of each show because it's not possible without listening and tuning in. Guess what? We surpassed over 20,000 downloads. Probably a lot more, but podcast statistics are over 20,000 downloads season one. Thank you so much. And LinkedIn family. Woo! Thank y'all, man. Like the last episode, y'all ain't have to do me like that. I'm talking about the post went viral. 25,000 likes, over 1,500 comments. I mean, the outpouring of messages, support for for my story, the podcast journey has been phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. In over a couple days, we had over 4,000 listens on soundcloud in a couple days due to you linkedin fam so if you're new to this podcast if you heard about it via linkedin thank you so 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 much and i got a powerful guest on this show man like season two i had to join the wave the black girl magic wave or shall i say black woman magic i don't know that's a conversation for another day but yeah we about to jump right into it and shout out to harriet tubman man like 20 dollar bill for real that's crazy, right? Like, every time we go be on a $20 bill, even though that's a deeper conversation because we don't, yeah, yeah, that's a whole deeper conversation because some conspiracy theorists have these ultimate ideas, but this, this is, just take it for what it is. Harriet Tubman's on the $20 bill. Shout out to the original OG Minority Trailblazer. So, I ain't gonna rap y'all to death. I know y'all here not to listen to me. Y'all listened to me last podcast, but to listen to our new exciting podcast. Guest. I'm talking about Forbes, Black Enterprise. She is, ooh, this girl's on it. I love it, I love it, I love it. You know, you can tell I've never been this excited to, to get into it. But I got a couple housekeeping announcements that I want to kind of roll by. First and foremost, please, if you haven't already, go. If you're listening to it on iTunes phone right now, please, 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 get to rate the podcast, man. We got tens of thousands of listeners. We got 78 ratings. Please rate the podcast, <laughs> And also, if you're listening via SoundCloud, please follow the follow the podcast so you can be updated in each and every new episode coming every Thursday. And this is interviewing some of today's leading people of color. And this season, we even expanding outside of African Americans. I got some Latinas. I got some Chinese. I got a lot of people coming on this podcast and the show. Primarily, I ain't gonna lie, it's gonna be African American, but. 
We expanding our reach. We opening up our doors. We accepting partnerships. We just trying to move and shake. And on that note, there's two things I need to ask. Hey, audience out there, I'm asking for your support because I don't want to. I've been approached by a couple big companies to do some sponsorship, run some ads on it. And that will allow me to stop coming out of my pocket and pay for the show. But I don't want to go that route. If any ads I'm going to do, it's going to be ads for the Minority Trailblazer, the, the, the Summit, and other things that I'm doing. So I really don't want to go that route. So I will need your support. I started a Patreon campaign. And what it really is, it's a platform that you, the audience, the people that listen to, that get all the content, Y'all can support the podcast, and I got rewards for people that support. And it's a monthly donation, a monthly investment into the podcast. Like, for instance, if you donate $10 a month, you can get access to a live webinar with me and a past podcast guest every single month where we just ask questions, we talk about life, we hold each other accountable, and this is like a small Nick group. And say if you donate $20 a month, you get a copy of my new book, as well as live seminar you get notes and all this good stuff so so if you're interested in supporting this podcast financially most importantly supporting me in this journey because this podcast takes a lot of time costs a lot of money for the upkeep and i want to bring some new things to you this season please visit greggyhill.com backslash mt podcast once again it is greggyhill.com backslash MT podcast and I'll have all my past episodes as well as where you could find out about how to support as well as the free stuff that comes with your commitment and since it's my show I got this last shameless plug hey hey audience I know people have been asking emailing me tweeting me Greg you said you're talking about this book you wrote. Like, where is it at? First, the first book, I only had 100 copies. That's all I created. It sold out in a week and a couple weeks. And that's it. The second book, I am proud to announce. I, that's what I've been doing since the podcast hasn't been on there. It's interviewing new guests and working on my pride and joy. Remember, you're a genius again. And it's coming out May 20th. And today, I am announcing the pre-order link. And for my podcast listeners, you... I got a deal for y'all. It's going on sale for $20. Podcast people get it for $15. And check this. You also get free access to a webinar I'm doing next month. Date to be announced. With a past podcast guest. Where you can ask me or the podcast guest any question you want about blogging, podcast, business. And I'm telling you, just, just the, the guest is going to be really knowledgeable about it. She, her, her show is one of the best shows out there. And yeah, we get a free webinar. Ask all your questions you want. And we're actually going to... Bring that off into a little group where every month we have webinars and whatnot. But yeah, check it out. And for more information and to order the book and find out all the details, go to gregehill.com backslash podcast book. Once again, that's gregehill.com backslash podcast book. The link will be on the website. And yep, do not share that with anybody else because I'm not giving anybody else any discounts. That's just for you. Enough of the shameless plugs. Uh, I'm ready to get in an episode. I know y'all ready. Are you ready? Let's go. I got an amazing guest on the line. If you're an entrepreneur, a natural hair enthusiast, and if you're waiting on the sidelines of life, just saying like, what is my passion? What should I do? How do I get all this creative energy outside of my head on paper, in the news, blowing up across the world? And if you are a fan of black girl magic, 
then this is the podcast for you. So let, let, me, let me read a little bit of bio about my guest today. Today's featured guest is a beauty entrepreneur and a hair manufacturing technician who owns and operates a beauty-based company based out of Washington, D.C., which has been featured on Black Enterprise, Bravo, Essence Magazine, to name a few. She began her career in the hair care industry over 10 years ago as a cosmetologist whose area of focus was in natural hair care and hair extensions. She eventually went on to work for hair care industry lead Carol's Daughters, where she further nurtured her love for natural hair. In 2012, she set out to fill a void in the natural hair industry by creating the heat-free hair movement, the first company to manufacture virgin human hair extensions made to seamlessly blend with the different textures of natural hair. Heat-free hair was inspired by the thousands of women that used sewing weaves as their protective style of choice, but were limited to styles that required them to heat strengthen their hair for the purpose of blending with their styles. This movement is not only now the number one company for 100% virgin human hairlines exclusively created for natural hair textures, but serves as a community platform for women and connect with an amazing community of natural women. She works for a Washington, D.C. office and hopes to combine her interest in beauty as well as tech, real estate, and business development to expand her brand in the near future. It's my honor and pleasure to introduce the first guest of season two of the Minority Trailblazer podcast, Ms. Ngazi O'Para, CEO and founder of the Heat Free Hair Movement. Welcome Yay! to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, this is exciting because I think what you all are doing is so awesome. So this is this is awesome. Man, I'm more excited than you. Like I really, I've been doing research because I know you, but I really, I, 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 to give a little backdrop. No, I'm not giving backdrop. We're just going to jump right in quick. I'm a big quote guy. As anybody that's been keeping up with the podcast season one, I'm just filled with quotes on quotes on quotes. And I always ask my guests before we even enter the show, what is their favorite quote and a story to share with how they apply that quote to their everyday life? So, Miss Ngazi. Oh, yes. That's, I love this question. Um, so, my favorite quote comes from um, a man by the name of Napoleon Hill. And it is that whatever the mind of man can conceive and bring itself to believe, it can achieve. And the story that really connects that for me is, um, you know, that was really the, the quote that was motivating me throughout my whole process of developing heat-free hair. I, there were several moments along the way where I was significantly, I was super discouraged, um, I wanted to turn around. Things just seemed like they were getting further and further away. And I joined an organization at the time um, by a man named Kevin Trudeau. It was called the Global Information Network. And this was the first quote that I heard when um, I got when I became a part of the group. And I was like, why does everybody like why does everybody why does everyone get so excited when they hear this? And it's because so many people in that organization um, really, really listened to what that quote means. And it just speaks to that inner voice that tries to tell you that you can't accomplish something mm -hmm. and really tells you that if you believe you can, then you can. Um, and it's like, if you don't think you can, then you cannot. So mm -hmm. I think that it really speaks to the fact that belief and um, like having that, 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 I guess, more so that um, that confidence in yourself mm -hmm. is so important. And so that, that's that been, 
an amazing one for me. And I continuously post it up on my little affirmation wall <laughs> every morning. So <laughs> it's it's one I always refer to. Yeah. And to take it a step further, um, I actually I was I was reading reading up on you and I heard a quote on one of your last blogs, which I wanted to share with the audience, which is so pertinent. Like it spoke volumes to me. And you said, um, listen selectively. Stop taking constructive criticism from somebody who hasn't constructed anything. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that is like so, so freaking deep. And if you could, can you share about like what was the motivation behind that? Because I think that is pivotal. Like I know I'm jumping ship, but I read that a couple of days ago and I was like, yo, that is freaking deep. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The motive, I, I mean, everyone is a critic, right? You know, like everyone has something to say. I think social media, I think just where we are in our times really allows people um, platforms, which is great to be able to express themselves, but it also kind of empowers people who really don't have any business talking about things they have no idea, like they, that they have no experience in and giving advice on things. And so for me, um, I had a lot of, I have a lot of really smart friends. Like I came from the finance industry um, before I was working as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just in my family, I come from a very educated family. And so I'm constantly around really smart people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so because of that, you know, everyone always had an opinion. And I, uh-huh. and, I, and I remember there was a point in time where I was asking one of my friends who was like a senior, 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 senior uh, consultant at one of the biggest firms. Um, I was asking him for like advice about, you know, where I was going with heat free hair and, you know, he, he literally just like tore me to shreds and was like, this is stupid. You can't do this. It's horrible. It's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. And at the time I remember being like, you know what, even though you are in management or you have the ability to do what you're, you know, to consult or to look objectively at things, I'm like, like you've never really constructed anything of your own mm. to be able to really understand where I'm coming from. Um, and I said that and he looked at me like I was crazy. And the funniest thing is that, you know, we're still really great friends today. He's an entrepreneur now mm-hmm. and he's really, you know, he's going through it, but he's, I mean, he's doing well, but I know, you know, he recently reached out to me and kind of like thanked me for some of the hard conversations we had because he never knew what it was like. And so mm. he was just like, I give you so much credit for what you're doing. Like this is 10 times tougher <laughs> than what I was doing before. And so it's just so interesting how people can can advise you without coming from a place of experience. They're just coming from, you know, their own theories that they've developed um, based on what they think they know. Man, that's 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 really powerful story in itself, because, I mean, contrary to popular belief, sometimes you have a business idea. You read online, they say, well, go to the expert and ask them about it, like seek the best advice you can. So you went to one of the top, a guy that worked at probably a top consulting firm, had a lot of experience managing all these types of companies. And he just said, on your idea. And then like fast forward, the idea is blowing up, everything's taking off. And now he has his foot in the same experiment. And it's like, oh man, so that's that's critical way to think about it rather than of course going to the industry experts because maybe that industry expert doesn't see your vision completely like you do. Right. But to your point, though, I do think that there is some benefit to go. I think that there's a huge benefit to going to people who have what you want or who have done something very similar. Mm-hmm. So so some of my 
um, advisors or mentors, they are entrepreneurs and maybe mm-hmm. they're, and one of them is even an entrepreneur in the beauty space. And so when she's telling me kind of her story, like, yeah, I, I listen, you know, I pull and pick and choose what I want to pull from my, from my own experience. Mm-hmm. But at least with that, with that opinion, it's someone who's literally, he's, who's done it before, mm-hmm. who's been down the same path as you before and has not just the brand to prove it, but the, you know, whether it's the income earning um, level that you want to be at or the, or the brand notoriety or just being able to accomplish the things that you're striving for. So I think that like, it just speaks to who you, who do you listen to? And that's another huge thing that we used to focus on in the organization I was talking about is literally, who do you listen to? Are you listening to people who are just teaching you how to do something, but have never done it themselves Mm -hmm. or people who have failed, succeeded, failed, succeeded, and want you to um, improve on their paths. Mm, who are you listening to? We ain't even got into the show. We already got a major takeaway, a major key, because that's just, yeah. So you're getting me excited with this conversation. Before we jump into where you are now, I want you, because the first section of our show, and I'm explaining to our new guests, our show usually runs like this. It goes through three sections. The first section, we just dig behind kind of the successes of um, our guests and we share their, their, their natural story. The second part of the show, we show, showcase where they are today in their business and what they're working on. And the third part, we showcase the future thoughts and the future things they're working on as well. And then at the end, we have our, our rapid fire round. So if you could take us back, who is in Gazi? You could start from start from the motherland. Like who is in Gazi? Kind of <laughs> educate the people that that know you, but also that don't are new to you. Kind of who you are before he free hair, before entrepreneurship, before essence, before all that. Yeah, I um, Ngazi Opara or Ngazi Chukwu Opara, full name. <laughs> Own it, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, full name. I am a first generation American, um, proud Nigerian. Born in Washington, D.C. to two Nigerian immigrant parents. I am the third of four children. Um, I, I'm someone who grew up really shy and um, somewhat, somewhat withdrawn mm-hmm. um, from social environments or the world as a, as a whole, honestly. But I'm someone who has always been extremely observant. And I think that in the process of being somewhat of a mute as a kid, (laughs) um, but also super, super observant, I became very analytical. Mm -hmm. And I think it also partially because I'm a Taurus as well. Um, And so I became very analytical. And, you know, I spent a large portion of my life just kind of taking the backseat and observing and analyzing things from behavioral patterns to um, trends to culture um, to just body language mm-hmm. to, um, I mean, everything I was, sometimes I would just like space out and, um, you know, I'm very, very passionate about my family. I'm very passionate about, um, women and I'm very passionate about business. And it's something that I I've observed, um, probably ever since I was 10 years old, just, I come from a family of, um, entrepreneurs and medical professionals. So I always like, would kind of observe the two and be like, I want to go on the entrepreneurship route. <laughs> but I didn't know exactly which way. Um, and so, you know, I spent a long time just trying to find my voice and figure out, you know, how am I going to express myself to the world? And so initially 
I found my voice through poetry. And so I spent several years of my life writing poetry and performing poetry and eventually touring as a spoken word artist and um, competing as a spoken word artist as well. And it was really through that experience that I gained confidence to be able to say that, okay, people actually listen to me when I speak. Um, now, I didn't know that people would actually listen to me when I spoke um, outside of the stage and off the stage, but you know, at least the stage helped me increase my confidence. And so, you know, here we are, flash forward to, I don't know, however many years later, I think that my experience um, as a child just being an, um, an analyzer and super observant and then someone who wanted to find her voice um, really was the catalyst for me to be able to say that this is what I want to do for other people. I want to be able to be a voice for other women um, I want to be the one who's kind of, and I want to, I want to be in a field where I'm analyzing things and I'm able to act accordingly. And so upon graduation from um, North Carolina A&T State University, I became, I was a financial analyst mm -hmm. and a pretty good one <laughs> because <laughs> I was analyzing consistently, but it wasn't creative enough for me. And so I think that artistic side that was so used to the performance factor of poetry and like I was into fashion and all that fun stuff, being stifled um, in an industry that is very calculated but not creative, it really made me feel like I got to get out of this. I got to step up. I need to do more. And so I knew entrepreneurship was the goal, but um, I just... I didn't know what I was going to do. So I literally became like hustle man from the fifth floor, was doing everything and anything <laughs> uh -huh. just to have my hands in multiple things until something clicked. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that's me. Mm, and I didn't know, I was reading online that in North Carolina A&T, you had your own hair studio. You were doing hair then as well? Yeah. So while I was at North Carolina A&T, I did a lot. I did a lot. I did a lot. I was queen of the university. I was in other pageants as well. I was, I, you know, was involved on campus, but I also was always, I was like the hair extension girl on campus. Mm -hmm. So everyone knew if you want your hair done, like I was in Haley Hall or when, when I moved to Barbie Hall. Haley Hall. Yes. Or even when I moved on off campus, I I mean, I had administrators, I had deans that would come to my house and get my, and do that my, and let me do their hair. Um, and then I was working at a salon in North Carolina as well. And so, yeah, you know, that was really where I, I got my first kind of like teaser experience at entrepreneurship because it really forced you to kind of get on the grind and market yourself and sell yourself and all this stuff. And this is stuff that I'm like, man, I, I didn't really realize like how passionate I was once I look back. And I'm like, I was literally cold calling. Like, I don't, I, I'm not into sales right now. Like, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I have it in me, but like, <laughs> I don't love sales in terms yeah. of like having to sell yourself. But like, I forgot what it was like that I was literally cold calling people and like knocking on doors and passing out flyers. And to saying, do hair. It's not like cold yeah. calling. You're trying to sell cell phone service. You're talking about, can I do your hair? Can I put in the stitches? Yeah. <laughs> like, can I do your hair? This is my price list. I got you. You refer five friends. And you, like, this is stuff that I, you know, textbooks won't teach you this. This was just the on the ground experience that I was getting from literally just being like, I don't want to be broke. Like I've never mm -hmm. wanted to be broke. I've had a job since I was 12 years old. So for me, broke is not an option. And so that's why when I got to college, my mom was like, um, I'm sorry, you're going to do a nursing program. There's not going to be any time to have a job. You're not working. I was like, Oh, Oh, sorry. That's not going to work for me. <laughs> gotta, gotta hustle. Uh -huh. So, so that, 
that's where it really started was like knowing that like I could not have a job um, in order to keep my relationship with my parents. And then also knowing that like I could not be broke in order to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to use my skills. And here we are. Yeah. And two questions before we kind of fast forward Two, the first question being, because I know we talked um, a little bit when we were on the we were on the panel, North Carolina and T had like student success panel. And you, you spoke about you mentioned earlier in this podcast that your parents come from they higher academia and whatnot. So can you kind of touch about your decision to come to North Carolina and T real quick? Yeah. You know, my dad has five degrees. My mom is, you know, also they, they come to North America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has five degrees, I think. My mom is like three, like, you know, I have a lot of um, Ivy League graduates in my family. And so for me, you know, growing up in an African household or a Nigerian household, it was like you strive for the best or else. So there is no option. Everything is the best. And so it's either you're at the top school or you're not in school or I mean, or, or you're not, you know, or your school doesn't count. Or if you are in a school that's not a top tier school, you're, you've excelled so much that you're there for free or whatever. And so when I decided to go to North Carolina A&T, um, it's funny because me and my dad are super close now. And I always joke with him about how, you know, my dad did not speak to me for two years, Whoa. like literally, like that not, not a word came out of his mouth. And so, um, you know, when I was, became Miss A&T and I had my coronation and my dad came, that was a huge emotional moment for me um, because this is someone who was just like, I don't care what you do after this point because you decided to go to that institution. And so um, it's funny because, you know, no one in my family had ever heard of A&T and they joke around now. They're like, yeah, my daughter was Miss AT&T. <laughs> and I'm like, AT&T, the phone company? No. Um, but they're super proud of me now. And I think that, like, if anything, uh, the end the end justifies the means. So mm-hmm. my parents are just like, wow, you paid off your student loans. You're this, you're that. Like, all right, no more peeps out of our mouth. You got it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then if you could speak real quick, like, how did you realize that the hair was it? Because I know you spoke about, like, first finding your voice through poetry, having that confidence. And I know as we can kind of get into it, like, hair means so much as for a purpose, confidence is specifically a woman's confidence. So when did you kind of, cause I know you, you have a, almost a decade plus in experience with hair, but when did you really start? Um, not only just, of course you're doing your hair, but doing other hair. When was that transition? Yeah. I mean, you know, hair is something I've always done. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I did cosmetology as part of a program in high school. Um, was doing it on the side in college. It's like the side hustle. Right. But like mm-hmm. what I enjoyed about hair was not necessarily the actual, like, tactical your fingers moving braiding hair like it wasn't necessarily that it was more so the experience right so like having a woman in your chair who is open with you who's telling you her her story who's sharing in your story you guys are connecting like I felt like I thanked hair so much because it allowed me to have that connection and then you know outside of that connection the aftermath, right? So after you, you're done someone's hair and they enjoy it, that, that look on their face, that boost of confidence, that sudden like smirk that they make when they look in the mirror <laughs> that they didn't have, that little extra pizzazz in their step that they didn't have before they came in, like it makes you as a provi- as a service provider, it brings joy to, to the inside of you as well. And so for me, I always felt like hair would be like a constant variable, variable in my life. I didn't know that it would be um, the denominator. Like, I think that switch happened for me when it really just made sense. Like, 
when heat free hair came about, when, when the idea for it was formed, um, it just, it was like a light bulb moment that I had and I got it. I was so excited that I was like, I can't contain it. And I think that that excitement for the, for the movement was what really made me realize that this next step was going to be in hair. And I always knew that hair was just a, it was just a stop on the, on the journey. It's not the final destination, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's something that, um, I am passionate about and I'm able to see the immediate result just by the women's lives that I, I impact. Man, phenomenal answer. And the last question of the first round is kind of, if you could take us to before heat free hair, what was kind of, and I don't want to say lowest, but what was kind of one of your lowest points before, before, before you even went on your entrepreneurship journey? Because I know there's a lot of takeaways in that yeah. journey. But- yeah, my, um, it's so funny because my lowest point was actually what was my biggest motivator. Um, and, you know, I'll probably never actually thank this guy for this, but I think that I thank this experience for the turmoil that it caused me because it literally like there's this saying that saying you know that says that when your head is so far down you have no choice but to look up so like when you're really really down you have no choice but to look up um and you know I was in a relationship that um it was just really unhealthy it was really unhealthy um you know it 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 just it was something that for the first time in years was able to take me to a place of like of take me to a place of trying to self-destruct mm-hmm. and self-destruct in the sense that like you know prior to that I was literally on top of the world in my opinion you know Queen mm-hmm. of University doing this thriving helping women empowering women smart having all these things happen for me and I had built up this confidence to the point where I was like I know who I am I know what I can be I know you know know who God has called me to be. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you get into something that's supposed to be loving and, and, and amazing. Um, and it literally just crushes you. And, you know, you start questioning like, wait, am I who I am? Like, mm-hmm. am I who I'm supposed to be? Like, am I who God says I am? And then it doesn't help if that person is like, you're not that you're not that like, you're not, you know, people think you're this, but they, but they have no idea who you really are. You're, you're really this, this, this low person or this, this bad person. Um, and after a long enough period of time of someone trying to convince you, um, of such negative things, you start to actually believe it. And so I went through a period of time where I literally fell off the map. I don't even think my parents knew where I was, like literally three months of just like intense depression. And it was, it really came from a place of like, how did I allow myself to get into such a emotionally abusive relationship? And, um, it's, it was embarrassing because I spent so much time, you know, kind of being on top of things and looking at other women and their struggle and thinking, how, what kind of girl, like, who are you? How do you allow a man to do that? Um, and I never in a million years thought that I would be on the receiving end of that mm-hmm. and looking at myself saying, how did you allow a man to do this? And so, um, you know, after about three months in it, in my funk and three months kind of like just looking like life was just hopeless and all this stuff. And it wasn't like because of like the guy, it was literally just like how I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think after about three months of that, I was like, there has to be better. And things, ha- I, I know that I, I, 
if I was able to do this thus far, I can do so much more. And it's in that period where things look so bad that you just start forcing yourself to think of what life will be like when you are out of this funk. And what I didn't realize at the time that I now know that I know now is that as I was thinking about what life would be like out of that funk, I was planting seeds. Like I was vibrating these positive thoughts that were attracting more positive thoughts and more positive things. Mm. Until I started actually seeing positive things happen in my life. So it was literally like that lowest point forced me to start thinking about happiness and what that looks like. And slowly but surely, like I started crawling out of that funk and ideas just started coming out of nowhere. And literally within about, a, I don't know, a couple of months um, after that period, that's when the idea for Heat Free Hair was really born. And so I feel like... Um, even though that was a very low point for me, it was so necessary because it taught me that I'm not above anything. Like I, I can, I'm a human being who can cry, eat, breathe, sleep, drink, hurt, just like anyone else. Mm -hmm. And that, and it showed me how positive, I mean, how powerful positive thinking um, can be. Wow. That's a, that's a very, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and no, that's no, a very no touching story. Reminds me kind of like Adele when uh, when Adele made Twenty One. She got she had a breakup or going through a lot of things, and she she went in the studio, banged out Twenty One, and that's that's now she's Adele. She's a thing. She's a verb. So, um, yeah, yeah. So let's go to the second round, and I, I'm kind of going to start it off when we're talking about he free hair. I'm going to start off in a, in a juicy segment because when you think about hair and you think about the industry you're you're, you're in embracing not embracing but dealing with scrutiny and competition because it's real critical yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs or just a lot of young professionals and a lot of college students need to hear that too because you're all right you're at this point now you started heat free hair success is starting to pick up but you know in that industry people are critical about their hair and these movements and there's a host full of bloggers online that can really make or break you so can you walk us through how do you deal with the scrutiny and the pressure of your industry yeah you know i i deal with the scrutiny and the pressure of my industry by keeping my friends extremely close mm -hmm. um and i say that because once you're in an industry that's so um that's so driven by like popularity and um just who knows who and all that stuff it's so easy to get lost in that and think and think that um other people's opinion of you matters mm -hmm. and um <laughs> and you know when I first started this business I went through a little moment of hell where you know I was introducing a new concept to a community that was so close-knit, you know, the natural hair community, such a tight-knit community. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm introducing this new concept, and they're just like, girl, like, who do you think you are? What are you doing? Get out of here. Like, it just, it was so unhealthy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, at first it got to me a little bit. I was like, man, these people don't even know me, and they're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it just kind of hit me like, I'm sorry do I talk to you? Do you have my number? Like, are we friends? Like the, it just, I, I think it just, it just forced me to pull those who I am close with even closer and I could be my truest self with them. And, 
Um, they don't judge me. And if they do, it's coming from a place of love. It's not coming from a place of being judgmental. It's just coming from a place of love. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, would let things kind of go in one ear and go out the other. Like I've had people show up to my live events and, Mm -hmm. and have the audacity to say certain things. Um, and you know, I'm the kind of person where I don't, I don't want, like, I've met a lot of women in, in not even just black women, not even just in my industry, but in industries as a whole, in, in different industries that feel like in order for you to be a black woman that's taken seriously and um, people know not to mess with you, you have to be a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not that person. I don't, I don't feel like I have to be that person. You know, I, I, I can check a person, but at the same time, it's like, what, where is that going to lead us? And mm-hmm. so for me, I think that there's a certain le- amount of respect that you have to command. There's a certain le- level of uh, banter that you can entertain. And then when it gets past a certain point, you just have to know who you are um, and step away from it. So, you know, I, I, um, for me, I've just focused on making customers happy, mm-hmm. creating an experience that can impact women's lives and keeping my friends and family extremely close. Wow. We can't add anything to that. That's that's there right there. And um, I want to take a quick step back because I realized I was reading your story and whatnot. And the actual, when you kind of launched officially out He Free Hair Movement, it was like around eight to eight months to a year after the actual the idea happened. And I know I was reading up, you say one of the most pivotal times or one of the most memorable moments of your life was somewhere in China where you had a group of 15 Chinese men um, at a dinner and they were manufacturing leads. So I want you to kind of tell people about your story of our, right, you had this idea and how did you like, how did you, what training did you go through um, to kind of get to the point to launch the product. Cause I don't want people to miss this. Cause I don't want people to just think, okay, I've been doing it for 10 years. I know hair. I'm just going to launch heat free hair movement. Can you please expand your journey to kind of really understand what you were doing, the manufacturing process and all that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I came, I, I, you know, coming from my background, my family background of do it. It's, it's essentially this idea of do it well or don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I missed that a little bit when I, when I launched heat free hair originally, you know, I launched heat free hair, um, while I was still kind of beta testing the product I was going back and forth with a manufacturer who had no idea what I was asking for. I had to cut out pieces of my hair, my sister's hair and a client's hair of mine just to have a prototype. And they don't even know what the prototype, they're just confused. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when they got something that looked halfway decent, I was like, great, heat free hair, boom, launch. (laughs) Um, and that was just an epic failure because, you know, I didn't understand manufacturing. I knew hair styling, but I didn't understand hair manufacturing. And there's a difference between live hair on women's head on women's heads and dead hair that's been cut off. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me, that that notion of do it well or don't do it at all was just ringing super loud in my ear. And I just decided to um to really just step out there and take a leap of faith. And so when I was in China going through manufacturing school, I literally learned everything about hair down to like the molecule. Like it was, you know, down to how to manipulate a fiber, um, what to look for, how to tell the nationality based on the hair fibers if it has not been altered, um, how to create certain um, looks, how to create pattern. Um, I was a part of the development team that was able to create texture. And so for me, um, learning all of that was super cool. 
But what was what was really disturbing was when I was in there, when I was in China, I learned that like there were really no um, women that were hair technicians, technologists. They were it was just a bunch of men, and mm-hmm. a lot of these men were like old enough to be my dad. And so while I'm sitting there working with the factory, with my factory, and and I'm and I'm learning about technology and I'm creating technology. Um, word spread like all the hair factories in China, all the f- real factories mm-hmm. um, in China are all in one area. So, um, you know, for the most part, we all know of each other. And so, while we're, you know, a, a lot of like while we had a, a meeting one day, um, one of the guys from the other factory was very close with one of the technicians at my factory and they just called a dinner meeting for all of us to come and, and have dinner. And it was weird because it's like, technically there's a bunch of competition in the room. Like, these, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like people were competitors, um, but there was just this mutual respect for everyone. And like, you know, people specialize in certain things. One person was like a wig maker. The other person specialized in synthetic. Um, there were a few people who were virgin hair, uh, virgin hair manufacturers, but you know, obviously the, the technology is key. So they keep the technology to themselves and they were able to still have that camaraderie. And so I'm sitting in this room and we're all having dinner. Um, and this old man stands up and I, I hate to call him the old man. But that's all I can know. I was like, he was super, he was so old. He was like the oldest, <laughs> the oldest technologist of all of, um, of all of us in the room had to be at least 70 years old. The guy stands up and does like a little like ding, ding, ding. Like, you know, essentially oh, like saying, in a movie, he, he clicked the, uh, with the fork. Yeah, like like he wants to give a toast, uh-huh. and I and it's it's he's holding like Qingdao beer in his hand to toast, which is so funny because I'm like, okay, this is not what you toast with, but cool. And so uh, he's about to give a toast, and um, my translator is like, he's about to toast to you, <laughs> and I'm like, who me? For real? <laughs> no way. There's, there's no way. And um, the guy starts talking about how you know how inspiring it is to see someone like me, a young black girl, (laughs) he used the word black girl, young (laughs) black girl um, from America to come to China, to see the culture, to be a part of it, to live with them, to eat with them, to break bread with them, to learn with them and to collaborate with them. He said that he never thought in his lifetime that he would see such a thing happen. And so they're all like concurring and they're all clapping and and I'm just like wait what like it blew it 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 took me for a loop because for me to have these guys who have 20 plus years of manufacturing experience look at someone like myself and say hey you know we respect you we regard you we thank you for what you're doing it blew my mind so um I just started crying I couldn't I couldn't take Mm. it back I couldn't I couldn't hold back and that was such a powerful moment for me. And it was, it was such a, it was, it was such a confidence booster as well. Um, because I just, it was like them giving me that, assur- that, that, that assurance that like, you know what you're doing. I want to, I, wanna, I got a quote as like a, this is a new, new edition. I thought of this today and but it's a segment called, what would you do? Thing and had one thousand dollars in just a computer. What would you do? I would use the one thousand mm-hmm. dollars to get a really, really small hair, um, either space like our little booth to rent out at a hair existing hair salon, or to rent out like a really a cheap room in a 
in a, an apartment or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would use the remaining whatever's left of that to start marketing myself online um, to use my skills as a hairstylist to, to grow that. Boom. So, yeah. If you were a college student with ideas but no money, how would you bring your ideas to life? If I was a college student with ideas but no money, I would find strategic partners, people that may not have the ideas but may have the means for for directing me in the right place or for for connecting me to people who can bring my ideas into fruition. So even if those strategic partners aren't going to have money, um, they may be able to have someone, they may be able to, they may know someone who can do it just based off of their recommendation. And that Mm -hmm. actually did happen to me. Mm. Okay, cool, cool. Um, If you were a professional that wanted to quit your job, but didn't quite know what your passion was, what would you do? I would keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-broke over here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> read some books, go to some conferences, do something like that. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, just start like, don't, don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's another here and over there. Cause I mean, hopefully a quick side pungent cause I never addressed it, but you had over a decade plus experience doing hair, understanding hair, but you still humbled yourself and said, I really need to go all in and go to, all the way to China for a whole year to really understand even more so that should show all the entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs that whatever craft you're in don't just think just because you're good at where you're at that that's going to translate into multi-million dollar business or you're just going to blow up sometimes there's always other levels that you have to get to in order to get the results that you want in, in in the most quality way and i think you showcased it that perfectly in that story, because you didn't have to go to China. You could have just put out a, a average or a little bit above average product and been okay. But you said, I'm going to go one step further and do that. And I, 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 I wanted to address that because I think that's pivotal. Um, yeah. And the last question, what would you do is, um, if you had a business that you were in for like two to three years, but you were getting no traction, what would you do? I would go back to my why. I would go back to my why and ask myself, why, you know, why am I doing this? Is it because I want to make impact or is it because it's just to make money or whatever? Um, and if the why is not the, if you're able to, if you're, if the why is that you want to have an impact and it's not super tied to the specific, um, thing that is your business, then I would start to identify what problems your business are, is solving and if it's not solving any problems, then I would start to identify what problems that are somewhat re- like that relate to your business somehow that you can solve some by expand, like not expanding, but by, by essentially diversifying what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So um, I say all that to say that I think a lot of times people get so sold on it, uh, like they get so tied to the idea that they miss that the real thing that they want is the impact mm-hmm. that the idea has. And so it's like, if you're so tied to the idea, it might be that you're not far off from having that, having that impact. It's just about tweaking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's so, so, so you kind of have to go back to that, to that why. Mm. 
Yeah, that's great. The pivot. Like, you know, that that's that's a, like, you know, that's the what those cliche terms, all the marketing gurus and the business books, people understanding the pivot. But it really is essential. So that's kind of in. That's a that's a round. That I think I'm going to brush up on. But I like it. I like it. I like it. So the last um, the last section of this interview is the future. I'm a big proponent of future. And I know, especially in an industry where competition is crazy, I always want to ask our ask our guests a few questions. So in 2016, if you can kind of share a little bit, uh, give us a taste, what's next for you? Yeah, 2016 is a big year for me. Um, you know, I'm really building out my team right now. That's, that's major. Um, you know, potentially launching a few new products. But I'm really trying to get it right with building out my team. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always feel like, you know, I tell people you have the right team around you, like the sky is the limit. So 2016 is all about, you know, my crew, like who, who, who is that crew Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and building it out and developing that. Um, And then, yeah, you know, towards the end of it, some new and exciting things should be coming out. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's only, it's only up from here. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want to ask you a quick question, too, about the future after 2016, because I was interested in you said um, in in your intro uh, talked about real estate, business development and all those other things. So can you kind of give us a tab and like what it's all about? Because I'm thinking um, because on my head, I know you're way bigger than just hair, your personality, your interest, your creativity. And I know you don't want to got to get put in that box. So I know if you can kind of just pontificate a little bit about some of those outside interests and maybe in the future, how you maybe can leverage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a huge interest in, in tech. I have a huge interest in real estate. Um, one of one of the things that I do on the side, like literally just for fun, because I love it that much, is I shadow a real estate developer here in D.C. And I kind of just like get to be a part of like some of his projects. And so mm-hmm. I watch them go from concept, from purchase of land, all the way through development. And the big thing is that I have, I really have like a deep like for like modern architecture and design. And so everything, like if you come into my, my house or anything that I create, I always make sure it has to look like I'm very big on aesthetic. And so mm-hmm. um, the real estate market, uh, or if anything, the contemporary real estate market is a, is a market that um, I absolutely love just because it, it, it constantly excites me and it constantly inspires me. And so, you know, down the road, there's room for me to diversify what I'm doing. Um, there's room to somehow connect them. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all about building experiences. And um, I came from the retail beauty background when I was at Carol's Daughter. And if I can break back into the retail beauty background, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time around, I would want to be able to create, you know, a really, really modern clean experience for people. So I think my love, my love and my passion for real estate combined with my passion for beauty and business um, will really show itself eventually. Yeah, man. I think that's really key, too, because, I mean, right now you're thriving. I know you have four or five year plans with, with your business right now, but you're already thinking, OK, in the future, this is something on the radar. So you're not just all in right here. You're already thinking about those next steps. So I, I definitely I, I like how you, you put it in your bio and whatnot. And I think that's really critical for all our entrepreneurs, especially the ones that are successful in their lane right now to kind of always in the back of your head thinking about not an exit plan. But things you can add on and diversify, kind of like what 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 Apple has done, and and and, and all these other big companies that have have a product that goes extremely well, but then they add on this, the services, but also at the core of it all is they add on stuff that's necessary. So they're not just adding random product, but they add on stuff that's necessary and that adds value. Because I think 
the biggest thing I took out of the what would you do is you said you're looking for problems. Like a lot, that's a lot of entrepreneurs. They fail because the, the their service is not really solving a problem. And yeah. I think with your with your heat free hair removal, I think that's one the critical thing is it urgently solved a problem in the hair care industry. That's why it's been able in less than four or five years, four years, three years, three yeah. to four years, three yeah. to four years to really take off because it clearly identified a problem and clearly identified how their business solved the problem. So yeah, that's 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 huge. And the last question this round is. When it's all said and done, mm-hmm. how do you want to be remembered? Oh, man, I really want to be remembered as someone who was innovative. I want to be remembered as someone who cared about women, who cared about um, making an impact on this world, and someone who was willing and willing to share their story in the hopes of being able to bring up other people um, through their own struggles and their own trials to be able to realize their own dreams. So yeah, I, I think that's what I, I think that's, or someone also someone who really like was like, you know, an awesome just friend and family <laughs> member and stuff like that also as well. <laughs> I got you. And um, a last question. I know I always ask my guests and I think everybody loves this question. So knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself five years ago? I would tell myself, just wait. I would tell myself, just wait. Because there were many times five years ago where I was so anxious. Um, I was so distraught. Um, I had about $130,000 worth of student loan debt. I, um, you know, was just out of that relationship. I, you know, was stressed out. I was kind of like my weight was fluctuating, like I was not in a good space. And even though I was working through all of that, it was hard for me to see where I was going because I felt so crappy that where I am now was not necessarily on my radar screen. It was just some far out destination that I know it's going to eventually come, but like it didn't seem obtainable, mm-hmm. attainable within, you know, couple a couple of years. And so I think I would have just told myself, you know, just wait, like, just wait, like you're, you're gonna, you're, you're good, um, and I think that would have put brought, brought a little bit of calm to my life at that time. But at the same time, I am thankful for the chaos because I think the chaos was really a time period of reflection, and mm-hmm. it really propelled me um, to where I am now. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret any of it. Amen. 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 So. As we transition into the last round, the most exciting round, the culture change, where I ask culture change round, where I ask a series of five questions and get five rapid reply answers. Are you ready? Yep. Cool. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Um, don't take constructive criticism from people who never constructed anything. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what is one of your personal habits that you can attribute to your success? Positive thinking and dream building. Mm. What is your favorite book and why? Right now, The Miracle Morning, because that thing has been helping me getting my days started right. Who's the author? Hal Elrod. Mm, Hal Elrod. I got mm, to get that. Um, what inspires you and keeps you motivated? Um, seeing impact, honestly, seeing the impact that I'm able to create is what keeps me motivated. Um, and creating impact has always been what's inspired me. 
Mm. And if you were the president of the United States, what would be the first thing you would do? After I finished my little dance, um, <laughs> I would, you know what? I would get an advisory board of like young startup company owners and just like have them as my, as part of my team, like a separate team from, you know, at the house, whatever my, like, I, it would just be like my, my advisory team that keeps me like, keeps me hot. And the reason why I say that is just because I think in order to be an entrepreneur, especially of a startup company in this day and age, there's a level of sharpness and, you know, and innovative thinking and outside the box thinking that you have to have. And I think that we're solving problems on a consistent basis and we're solving problems that are inherently changing the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that if the president had a team of young owners, you know, business owners that are solving problems that are changing the world in their respective industries as part of my team as president, Mm -hmm. I feel like that would just be a great, like, conglomerate of people to constantly refer to about world issues yeah. <laughs> or how to solve them. yeah oh my goodness you putting out a plug already donald trump yeah. or uh hillary no, Clinton. no. <laughs> hey you never know who's gonna win but whoever's gonna win um definitely make sure you hit up and guys your old par to kind of get that board rocking because that's a great idea <laughs> so i have one last question and before i get to it i i, I would be remiss if i didn't ask you um a question because i think you you signify you are defined black girl magic and i just want to ask for you to, to, to speak briefly about confidence because um i think you've always exuded such confidence and grace from your time at A&T, from your, from your time now, and just in general. And I know in our, in our culture, specifically in our, our African-American women sometimes, either there's a, the confidence meter is engaged on a lot of aesthetic values. And I just wonder you kind of speak, just your general thoughts on how um, anybody that's listening, male or female, could, could really attack, assess their confidence and really grow it. Yeah, you know, assess your confidence. I think it starts with success builds confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that for me, the inner inner confidence um, came from me kind of writing out what I want and or who I who I want to be, whether it's through affirmations or me through like dream building at visualizations um, and just kind of like consistently doing that. So that consistency of like focusing on those things that you want to become, it's like somehow, some way subconsciously, it builds this inner belief that you can have that because you're just, you're just positive. You're reinforcing it over and over and over again. And so that's a more of internal confidence, but I think as confidence overall, as it relates to business um, or just, growth or success, um, I would say that you should have big goals, but focus on immediate goals. Mm. So immediate goals are goals that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, you can accomplish and you believe it without a shot of the doubt or shot of a doubt. Those are the ones that, and, and if they excite you, those are the ones to focus on because those are the ones that are transmitting a positive emotion and energy, but then it's also something that you think that you can have. And so 
because you believe that you can have it, those are the ones that are really going to come in to your life at fast speed. And so once you're able to obtain those goals, then you now gain confidence in yourself. Like, well, if I was able to do that, mm-hmm. then I can do this. And then <laughs> uh-huh. you just start scaling. And so I always say that, like, as I look back in my life, as everything that has happened to me to get me to where I am today, literally every position before I am, before I was a CEO, um, every position I had, I needed all of those experiences for where I am now. Mm-hmm. And during those moments, I didn't understand why I got those positions or what I was doing with them. But it's like, okay, sensei, it all makes <laughs> sense in the end. I see it. This is that that karate kid and justifies the means kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the, the confidence, the, the success, the, the little successes I had along the way um, were literally just like a blink, like a, a little almost like a, a teaser of what I was going to experience later. And I, I personally, I believe that what I'm doing now is a teaser for something bigger. I just can't focus on that bigger because it's not on my radar screen. So yeah. I'm just focusing on what I believe in for this next level. Amen. That was great. That was great. And our our final last question is, because um, I call myself the culture change agent and everybody that I bring on this show is a culture change agent. So if you could change one thing about society, most specifically, our African American culture. What would it be, and why? I would I would change how we view each other. Honestly, um, I think that, I, and, and it's not to say that other cultures don't have these same issues, but um, because I am, you know, African American, I guess I can speak for our um, demographic. I think that there's this level of like competition or crabs in the barrel or just like kind of like, and I'm not going to call us all conniving because we're not that, but there's this, it's like, there's this inadequacy. It's almost like, like this feeling of inadequacy. And in order to feel adequate, someone else has to be brought down that I've experienced primarily in the African American community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad to me because you, you know, someone else's, um, struggle doesn't make you shine more or your shine doesn't dim someone else's light. And so I think that a lot of people, um, they miss it. A lot of people miss it with that. And, you know, there's, we are, it's funny. We always joke around about, Oh, how Jewish people stick together. Some people stick together, whatever, but it's true. You know, I I think that there is strength in numbers and there's strength in supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I would change that. And I, and I would change, I would, I would remove ulterior motives because I think what prevents people from wanting to, um, you know, collaborate or work with people or really build with each other is the fear that other people have ulterior motives. And, mm-hmm. and um, sadly, a lot of them do. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where you, um, you find yourself just kind of like sticking to yourself, becoming a little bit, a little, a little bit of a loner or just having a very close knit group of friends and it doesn't have to be that way. Boom. Amen. 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 So before we go, one, where can everybody find more information about you, more information about He Free, he free Hair? Where can everybody find y'all at online in the social media space? Yeah. So Heat Free Hair, we are online at heatfreehair.com. Then um, I'm in Gazi, N-G-O-Z-I, T-H-E, the um, stylist on Instagram. I'm in Gazi Opara on Facebook. Uh, yeah, Heat Free Hair Movement on 
Facebook, um, Heat Free Hair Movement on Twitter. So um, you can kind of get to our website, heatfreehair.com, and it'll just like redirect you to, to everywhere that we are. Amen. Amen. So from the bottom of my heart and for, for all our audience and that had a chance to have an incredible, incredible interview to start off season two, I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been great. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Season two. Episode one was phenomenal. Thank you, Ngazi Opara, CEO of Heat Free Hair, for dropping bombs. Thank you for listening, for tuning in. And like I said, if you want to support the show financially, you can just go at greggyhill.com backslash mtpodcast. Once again, it is greggyhill.com backslash mtpodcast. And there's a lot of great rewards and great things you get for making that financial commitment, as well as you want to order a copy of my book, second copy, and get a discount and a free invite to a webinar, go to greggyhill.com backslash podcast book. Thank you so much for your support. And like we always do, it ain't nothing changed, but the numbers in the range. I done grew up though. I had to rap young buck. Shout out to Tennessee Cashville. But um, yo, thank you. And like we did last episode season, we're going to do it like this. I need you to do one thing. That is, no, two things now. Take action and change the freaking culture. Good night.